The EP Podcast. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found. And always at theeppodcast.com. The weekend came up quick. Welcome into the EP Podcast. My name is Chris Lanuti. Special half-hour weekend episode as we like to do on the weekends. One guest sitting down here at the 9-foot homemade oak bar having a conversation. We're going to talk about what you can eat, what you can't eat. Get some real medical advice from my own doctor, Dr. David Beckman of Family First Medical Group. Let's see if I can find a way to lose weight without putting a lot of effort into it. That's the goal today. It's all brought to you by the First National Bank of Evergreen Park, dedicated to supporting our area with great banking tools and friendly service. They are a true community bank that provides our neighborhood with customized financial solutions like total access checking and account with free ATMs nationwide. Plus, when you open a total access checking account today, you get a $300 bonus. Open online at bankevergreenpark.com slash total access slash EP. $100 required to open. Requirements to qualify. Must use link to apply. Member FDIC. The last episode we released had a trivia contest with our next guest, We also had one of the guys behind Evergreen Park becoming Tree City USA and so much more in that 30 minutes of good. If you missed it, go back. You can listen anytime. It's on demand. Anywhere podcasts can be found and always at the eppodcast.com. Joining me down here at the Nine Foot Homemade Oak Bar, it's been several years since we have not done this on the phone. Dr. David Beckman, a good friend of the show who's been on the show an awful lot over the last couple of years, talking about a myriad of things and I want to sit down today with you, Doc, and talk about how fat I am, if you don't mind. <laughs> it, it's up to you. If, that, if that's what you want to talk about, we can talk about that. I do. I want to talk about how... Okay, so here's the thing. First off, um, he's from uh, Family First Medical Group, yourffmg.com. They're located over on Western Avenue uh, in that building. You're like, you got a beautiful building. I was just over there. You got a beautiful like office up on like the seventh floor of that professional building. I want yep. to say it's like a... One, I, what would it be? That'd be like 98th and Western somewhere yes. in there. Yeah. yeah. First of all, tell everybody a little bit about what you do there because it's not just a family practice, right? Right. So we, we have a women's healthcare group that we're partnered with. So we see, um, we, we basically see patients of all ages, infants, newborns, kids, adults, um, pregnant women. So basically anyone can see us there. You can see the skyline from the windows. You can see the skyline. I thought that was the most interesting thing, <laughs> is that you have the windows tinted and slightly angled so that while you're in there, nobody can see in the window, but right. the patient can look out at like this, the, you can see the skyline of Chicago, or some of the windows look out over Evergreen and you can see everything there. I was just there uh, last week with uh, Mayor Kelly Burke and the members of the Chamber of Commerce with you guys, and you were doing a tour. And it, I, I told her, I'm like, this is where the command post is if like the zombie <laughs> outbreak occurs in Evergreen Park, because you can see everything from you there. You can see everything. Yeah. It's beautiful. Okay. So when you're looking down from the window and you see um, all the, the fat people, because I think everybody's gotten bigger over the last couple of years. I think that that's probably there's probably stats on that, right? Have people gotten bigger over the last couple of years? Definitely. Um, you've seen it. You've seen it in adults, but I think more uh, worrisome is in kids, where the number of obese kids ha- have increased significantly. I think um, there was 
a 30 to 40 percent increase in the number of kids that um, that now qualify as being obese. So it's definitely been a huge issue. I think one of the issues that I've noticed is sports. When my kids didn't have anything to do, all of a sudden that athleticism went away. Yeah. You know, I mean, my daughter was an everyday softball player. OK, and right. then all of a sudden they couldn't do some of the teams that she would have been on. For you know, sure. and so all of a sudden she didn't play sports and we would sit there and say, OK, well, we got to find something for you to do. You can't sit in your room. And like she's very artistic and she like, you know, she paints and she sculpts and she does like all kinds of like really cool, like artistic things. But like if it, she just fell back on that and I was like, you're literally in your room like all day, like you have to get out and like pump those legs and move a little bit. Definitely. Yeah, I, I think the lack of sports and also just the lack of social um, engagement with the, with kids too. Um, they're sitting on their computer all day um, in school and then they don't have anywhere to go, whether it be sports activities or even just hanging out at a park. Um, in the beginning of the pandemic, you saw the, uh, the tapes, tapes uh, around uh, playgrounds and, and uh, Lakeshore that was closed and, you know, things that we look back on and we think, that was pretty silly that we that we did that, but yeah. um, <laughs> but but all of that contributed. Yeah, yes. I, can, I can imagine. And then for me, um, like here's the thing, because I, I, the reason I wanted to have you on and talk today is I think that there's a lot of people that have are looking around over the last couple of years and looking at their habits and are going, okay, well, hold on a second, I'm a little unhealthy. Like I know some people that got really healthy. Okay, I've had people that I've I've talked to who two years ago looked different because they said, well, the best defense against this whole thing that's going on is for me to really get healthy. Yeah. And I felt the same way, but it's very hard to do that. You know, and it, it, it is really hard. I, I, I commend those people who are that disciplined that got so healthy. Me, my alcohol intake increased significantly. OK, especially in the early days of the whole thing. Yeah. OK. And then just the way that I was eating. So what, what I've been doing now is I've kind of been looking at myself and I'm like, I'm going to turn 45 here in May. And I feel like this is like an important time for me to to try to get like some of the things that are a little out of whack taken care of, because I would like to make it a lot longer in life. And I feel like <laughs> if I continue the way I'm going right now, I'm definitely shortening it up. OK. Yeah. And, and I'll talk a little bit about it because I know you're not going to talk about me unless I tell you it's okay because That's you're right. my doctor, okay? <laughs> so I have no problem talking about it. Um, I went in, I want to say to your office about four months ago or so, did a full checkup with you, and most everything was okay. I was like borderline on my cholesterol level, but you were like, a lot of this is good cholesterol and you weren't, like, you didn't want to put me on any medication. You're like, everything looks okay. I am overweight. I mean, I'm five foot ten. I'm sitting at 230 right now on average. And I, at times in my life, I would say my average is normally 200. And I have had times where I've lost a lot of weight and sat at about 180 in my adult life. Okay. I don't think I'll ever get to 180 again, but I feel like I'd like to get that down. I have to find a way to get healthy. And one of the things that concerns me the most is my blood pressure was up for the first time. I think in my entire life, I've never had blood pressure problems. I was a 911 dispatcher. And when I would go in for a stress test, they would have me run on a treadmill. I mean, as recently as maybe five years ago, I'd run on a treadmill. They would ask me about my worst 911 calls to try to get me upset. Okay. <laughs> and my blood pressure would barely move. Okay. I sat down with a doctor five, six years ago, and he's like, unless you get hit by a train, you're going to live to be 100 because everything is perfect. 
Then I went and saw you, and I was completely out of whack. So something <laughs> changed in the last couple right. of years, and we've got to work on that now. Definitely. So when that happens, what's the first thing that you tell somebody that they have to go and do when they're like, wait a minute, hold on a second, blood pressure a little high, weight's a little high, w- what do you tell them? You have to get a baseline. So um, I can tell patients, and I, and I do tell patients most of the day, um, you need to exercise and lose weight um, and eat better. But I mean, I think most people know that. They, they just know that inherently. So I think the, the big question is, what do you usually do in terms of activity on a regular basis? And what do you eat? And when do you eat it? And how much do you drink? Because uh, alcohol is a big contributor to you smoke. So just kind of figuring out where that baseline is. Because if I tell a patient, you know, watch the amount of carbohydrates that you're eating, the amount of carbs that, you, that you're eating, and you're already, on, you know, you're consuming maybe 50 grams a day, then that's not that beneficial. Whereas if we know that you're consuming 300 or 400 grams of carbohydrates, then we can say, okay, all right, take that. Let's see if we can cut that in half. If you cut that in half, you'll definitely lose weight. Or, or we say, okay, how much physical activity do you do in a week? The recommendation is that you do 150 minutes of moderate exercise a week. Um, so that can be concentrated. So I can do 30 minutes a day on a treadmill and I would make that. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah, 30 minutes on a treadmill. You could even do, do it in 10-minute increments. So it doesn't have to be all at the same time. You know, some people, they'll wake up in the morning, they'll spend five minutes doing uh, body weight exercises and then later on in the day they'll they'll add another 20 minutes on so it doesn't have to be going to a gym running at the same pace on a treadmill and I think that's one of the things that uh, has shifted a little bit over the last few years which is the the days of going to the gym and staying at the same pace on a treadmill or on an exercise bike for an hour or an hour and a half you're not really getting that much benefit. You're spending a huge amount of time doing that and you're not burning as many calories as you want and you're not using different types of muscles as much as you want either. So that, that's something I think that, that that's interesting to me because I've done that before in my life where I go to a gym and I'm in the gym and I'm like, okay, well, we're going to exercise for an hour and a half, two hours. And the, I think that's the reason why you stop going. Yeah. Because it becomes like, geez, two hours out of my day, especially when you think the driving there, the driving back, you know, the, the changing, I got to hit the showers afterwards, all this other stuff like that. I mean, yeah, sure. I think you need to do it when you when you want to build like a ton of muscle or you want to get like crazy sure. fit or something or you're an athlete. But just for like simple weight loss and things like that, that you're saying that's not something you you necessarily have to do. You could just change a few eating habits and just add a little exercise. In. That's right. Yeah, I, I think. Doing um, high-intensity interval training, that's kind of the, uh, the trend these days where you're doing body weight exercises, you're, you're getting your heart rate up for maybe a minute, minute and a half, you have a 30-second, 60-second interval between, and then you do another set. A lot of times you can get um, a great workout in 15 minutes with just a few light dumbbells at home, uh, doing some squats, push-ups, um, jumping jacks, uh, burpees, things like that. You do that and you actually wind up burning more calories later on throughout the day 
usually two to three times as many calories. Better to do it in the morning because then it keeps going all day long. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so are there, there's all kinds of exercise fads and I'm going to get into the diet ones with you a little bit. Okay. okay. Because I am an expert when it comes to the diet fads because <laughs> I've tried a lot of them. Okay. Some of them have worked and some of them have not. Okay. And some of them are too hard to maintain these yeah. days. But when it comes to the exercise ones, like I have one buddy, he does this P90X, which is like that high impact sure. training stuff. Okay. I know people who just jump on a treadmill and walk for an hour. They put it up at a brisk pace. And at least that way, they're not slowing down. They're not stopping every time the dog needs to stop or anything like yeah. that. They're keeping a regular pace. Are there exercise, I don't know, systems, fads, I don't know what you would call them that you like more than others. Are there ones that stick out to you that you're like, this is stupid and it, it's unnecessary? <laughs> like what, what are your thoughts on them? Yeah. So I think, um, there, there's a, uh, there's a really good app, uh, that's called eight fit, the number eight fit. And, um, they, they basically have videos of trainers doing specific exercises and, you you input a little bit of your information like how active you are how much time you have and then they develop an exercise program for you where the the longest exercise program is maybe 50 minutes but most of them are 15 to 20 minutes and they and they involve doing things like dips and planks and sit-ups and push-ups and uh jumping jacks and burpees these are all activities that you can do with no equipment you just need a small space in your house. And I think um, especially when all the gyms closed, this, this was something that um, a lot of people started doing. They started kind of uh, stockpiling some equipment for their home gym and clearing out a space so that they could do exercise at home. So I think doing those types of uh, exercises are good. And the one thing I would say is that weightlifting and, and I'm not talking about really heavy weightlifting, but, right. um, you know, 10, 10 to 25, 30 pounds. Weightlifting is really important because especially as you get past 40, 50, um, you start to lose muscle mass. And when you start to lose muscle mass, you become weaker, your joints become more unstable, you become uh, more prone to injury, you become more prone to arthritis. So doing uh, weight training, both for men and women, I think is really important. And um, I think actually shifting more of your exercise to doing some weights, um, as opposed to doing tons of cardio, is actually better. Um, if you have four days where you're where you can work out, if you pick three of those days where you do some weights, and one where you do cardio, it may actually wind up being better for you. And the reason for that is as you build muscle mass, your metabolism increases and that increases your ability to burn fat. So, so weights actually burn things quickly. Cause I always think to myself, okay, well, I, look, I'm not trying to get swole. Like, <laughs> I, you know, I'm not, I don't need it. You know, like I have, I have sneaky strength. Okay. I, I, I've done things where, you know, you could throw up weights over your head and I still have really good upper body strength. I've always had, I have two things that I've never had to worry about upper body strength and my calves sit right below my knees. That's just genetics right there. I see people do like leg exercise, make their legs look a certain way. Mine just look that way. That's the Italian in me. I think that's what it is. When I went to Italy, they all look like that. Okay. When they were walking around in their swim trunks. So, um, but so I've never, I've always said to myself, okay, I got to lose weight. So I got a, I got a bike. I've got to walk. I've got to do cardio type exercises because that burns things where weightlifting makes me think all I'm doing is trying to get like 
bigger muscles. But yeah. you're saying weightlifting actually increases metabolism and makes you lose weight. Yeah, uh, weightlifting is really important. And then the other thing just about cardio is there's a difference between dynamic cardio and then traditional cardio. Like traditional cardio is treadmill or bike kind of at the same pace. Dynamic cardio can can involve weights where, for example, you're, um, you're doing a curl you're, you're doing a curl, a overhead press, and a squat all in one. That's a very complex movement, but you're using and engaging a lot of different muscles at that same time. Whereas if you're on a bike and you're just kind of pedaling at the same pace, you're definitely getting your heart rate up, you're working your legs, but unless you're doing things where you're sprinting or you're doing hills, you're really not testing different muscles there. So I think that's that's kind of what you have in the back of your mind is, am I actually using various parts of my body to do these exercises, or is it just focused on one, and obviously more muscles that are engaged better? Interesting. Okay, so let's talk about food, okay? Okay. And I'm going to give you a little bit of background. We've talked a little bit about it, but I, I, I'm going to give you a little bit of background with me and food. First of all, I think this whole thing, I've been seeing these commercials. I don't know if, they, is it Noom or something like that? Noom, where yeah. They learn like what they're, why they are a certain way. Yeah. I always laugh at the clean play club thing because that's what we had to be. We had to be in the clean play club. And I'm like, well, that this is why I eat everything. And And I know my dad used to sit at the table all the time and his thing was like, we paid for this. So if the kids aren't going to finish it, I'm going to grab it off their plate. Yeah. And, and and so I think I've almost become that. Like now I go to restaurants, especially with my little guy, I don't even order him anything. I'm like, you can eat off my plate because right. otherwise I'm going to eat off his. And that's, <laughs> you know, like that's something I was kind of learning that I'm doing because in my mind, I'm like, whoa, whoa we paid for this. Somebody's got to put this in their belly. Okay. And then it becomes me. Right. Okay? So, right. Exactly. <laughs> okay. But, but when it comes to weight loss, the thing that worked the greatest for me and I've heard some people say that's insane or that you can hurt yourself. I had one doctor, my doctor at the time, it was before we had met, he was surprised I was doing it and he thought that I was going to have all kinds of problems. He was very against the Atkins diet, okay? He's like, oh, you know, that's a lot of fat and it's a lot of cholesterol, but I followed it religiously. And I think that's the thing. If you follow it religiously and you're not having any carbs, wow, does the weight come off? Oh, yeah. Now, you got to get used to the idea that you're going to have a funny taste in your mouth. And at some point, as much as you like bacon, you're going to get sick of eating it, okay? <laughs> I mean, there's just certain, but, but you eat just so much protein. You don't worry about the fat. The fat goes out. At the time that I started, there's a picture of me over here. People can't see it, but I'm up here. You can look at it later. I'm at 260. It's the greatest weight I was ever at in my entire life. It's 2005. That picture up there, I'm at the, I'm at the White Sox World Series. I look like a whale, Okay, I'm I'm so big. All right. We had just had my daughter. And while my wife was eating for two, I decided to eat along with her. Okay, and I just got big. I went from 260 to 178. I think was my lowest thing within eight months. Like it just poured off of me when I did the Atkins thing. My doctor said it lowered my my blood pressure a little bit. My cholesterol went down. All these things like evened out and I got better. Do you think that was because I was down to that weight? Do you think it's because of the fact, like people worry about those kind of diets. Do those kind of diets make you nervous? Because that's a quick weight loss. But I was actually able to keep it off. When I went back to bread, I think I popped up tonight and I hovered at 190 for like the next like five, six, seven years. And then I only put weight on again when I went to midnights at the 911 center. And to get through the night, I'm drinking three Red Bulls and I'm eating candy. So, but it worked for a long time. So what what are your thoughts on diets like that? 
I, you know, I don't oppose um, an Atkins diet or uh, paleo or keto. I think, I think people have to find what works for them. I'm, I'm a little less worried about cholesterol intake and, and things like that. Yes, it can, it can impact the cholesterol sometimes, but it's actually the blood pressure and the weight and the insulin resistance that pose a bigger threat to people. So I think that when, when you lost all those, um, or, or when your measures all got better, I think it was because of the weight loss. Um, the thing is that when, when you do an Atkins diet or you do a, a keto diet or a paleo diet, it's very hard to sustain that long term. Um, oh, there's a point you give it up. Yeah. You're like, okay, I want bread. And you know what it was for me? We, the next year we went to Italy and oh, there's yeah. absolutely no way. There's no way. To, to, to stay on Atkins no. when you're walking around Northern Italy. I, I told myself, when we get to Italy, I'm off this. And I kind of like started to take myself off at about a month earlier, like where I was starting to introduce things because I knew. But what was interesting was when I added it back in, yeah, I gained a little bit. You know, it was that instant like, okay, wait a minute, you're having bread now, you're going to balloon up. But going from 179 to like 185 and eventually stabilizing over the next couple of months at around 190, it was worth it to me. Yeah. To, to gain those extra 12 right. pounds because of all the stuff that I had lost. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you look at if you look at the diets that have the most evidence for lowering your risk of cancer, lowering your risk of heart disease, lowering your risk of stroke, those are diets that are uh, whole food, plant based diets. So um, it doesn't mean you have to be a vegetarian, but when you're when you're thinking about eating, basically a good rule of thumb is if you're eating a lot of colorful foods, colorful foods that have been, one of my mentors said, have you been eating a lot of colorful foods that have recently been alive? Um, <laughs> the, that, that was kind of, that kind of stuck with me where you're staying away from a lot of like the package stuff, the stuff that is, um, uh, that's white and kind of bland looking. Those are, those are foods that are ultra processed. They usually, um, your body doesn't handle them that well. It increases your um, insulin uh, level quite a bit. And when you keep getting these spikes in insulin, that actually is what sets you up for developing diabetes down the road. So I think in the back of your mind, thinking about eating more vegetables, more nuts, more seeds, um, more lean protein, um, less of the processed stuff, less of the packaged stuff, that's kind of where you want to trend to. Um, and, and I think with fat, uh, fat definitely plays a role. You, you should eat some fat. You can't eliminate fat. And I think one of the biggest detriments to uh, a lot of people, maybe even to a generation of people, um, was the fat food, or I'm sorry, the fat-free craze. Because looking for all these fat, fat-free uh, foods wound up uh, dramatically increasing your carbohydrate intake and um, and that, I think, set a lot of people back. Yeah, it really kind of changed, I think, habits and stuff like that. So you say like, OK, I eat, eat vegetables. I'm good with that. My wife, like, insists on always having that kind of stuff. Okay. There's a salad at the table every night or there's a couple of vegetable options. And we've actually a, a while we have people that laugh at us. We don't have a microwave. I did this about six, seven years ago. I was like, the food is terrible when we heat it up. <laughs> We're just taking shortcuts. And when we actually prepare the food in the oven around the stovetop, it tastes better. Oh yeah. And I felt like 
I wasn't getting the nutritional value nuking the cauliflower, you know, <laughs> right, like right. I was sucking everything out of it while right. I was doing that. So we don't do that anymore. So we try to keep some fresh fruit, fruits and vegetables and things around the house. But I like red meat. Mm-hmm. I like chicken. I like fish, but I like red meat. I like to smoke. Okay. Yep. I have a smoker. I like to grill in the summer. I feel like lately the new thing is telling you like, well, if you grill it, if you smoke, you're going to get cancer. And if you eat too much red meat, you're going to die. And that's like the new phase. Yeah. Is that silly? Is that wrong? Are they right about this? Because, I, you know, a while back, you're supposed to have margarine instead of butter. Then they switched it back. So, yes. I mean, like, I don't know if I'm going to jump on that train yet. Sure. I, I mean, I think you're right. The The current trend is definitely limiting the smoked, uh, the smoked foods, uh, the processed things like sausages and bacon and limiting the amount of red meat. Um, so, and, and I think there's probably some truth to that, especially with colon cancer. Uh, colon cancer, actually, the screening recommendation dropped um, in the last couple years to 45. Uh-oh. Um, it, <laughs> it used to be... You and I are having an appointment soon. <laughs> well, this is going to be... This is going to change our relationship, I believe. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so... <laughs> it, it, it used to be 50, it's 45 now. And I think because... And so... Kind of, there's a lot more awareness about colon cancer, and there is an there is this association with um, more red meat consumption, increased risk of colon cancer. So, um, I usually tell patients if you can limit your red meat consumption to once, maybe twice a week. Wow, um, that's that's ideal. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, you're ruining my day. <laughs> I'm sorry you, about you, that. Well, you are. You just ruined my day right there. Okay. I mean, and when we're talking red meat, are we talking like if I have lunch meat and things like that, like I make a ham sandwich, like you're still seeing it like that? Um. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, thanks for ruining everything. I'm sorry. Man, oh man. I'm going to be, now I'm worried about my screening coming up. Jeez. Okay. So, so overall, it sounds to me like exercise wise, if you're just doing cardio, you're missing the boat because weightlifting is going to get you much better results if you're using weights because you're increasing your metabolism. It's okay to try some of these diets that are going to take weight off as long as you're following them the right way. And of course, consult your doctor, things like that. Okay. Red meat is still okay, but there is the possibility that you may be having a little bit too much. Now let's get to the fun part at the end here. Alcohol. Yeah. I'm sitting at a bar. You know, <laughs> I like, I have two things I really like. I like craft beers uh-huh. and I'm a big bourbon drinker. Now, the bourbon, to me, especially when I'm trying to cut back on my carbs, I'm like, this is free because there's no <laughs> carbs in this. OK, like the alcohol burns off the carbs and I'm not actually having any carbs. In fact, I, that's what I would do when I was on Atkins. If I, I couldn't drink beer, so I would drink, you know, a bourbon. I think at the time I was drinking scotch at the time. But I mean, like, that's what I would have. I'd have I'd have a drink on the rocks and I would just do that. OK, um, I try to hold it back a little bit, but I know that with my show, the Southside pod goes and reviews breweries. So I'm yep. going to go at least yeah. once to twice a week to a brewery and try a couple of beers, okay? And then I'm trying to you know, cut back. I, I really have cut back a lot on what I used to have. You also have people that will say there's good things for that alcohol does. Like my wife is right. convinced that drinking red wine at night is like health food. So, <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about that here as we get towards the end, okay? Like, uh-huh. you know, I mean, you've never scolded me for the fact that you know I drink. Okay. You've never scolded me for it. 
But I mean, like, where where do you fall on it? Like, are are there some benefits to the red wine? Are there things that people should look out for when it comes to alcoholic drinks? Well, this is another thing that fluctuates all the time, um, where you say no amount of alcohol is safe. And then you say, well, actually, a glass of red wine at night is okay. So the pendulum keeps swinging. The most recent way it's swung right now is um, you shouldn't drink at all. Um, well, boo. And and so, and I'll just say personally, I, I don't adhere to that either. Um, so <laughs> That's what I always think is funny. Like, you know what? You really shouldn't drink anymore. I'm going out later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think it's almost like, like everything, um, moderation is the key. And so the question is, what is moderation? Because, and that's, and that's something that, um, a lot of people have different definitions of, because I'll have patients that will come in and they'll say, you know, I drink as much as all my friends. And I say, well, you and your friends are all drinking way too much. Right. Um, because, you know, they'll say, well, we'll have 10, 12 beers one or two nights out of uh, the week. And that's way too much. The The recommendation is if you're going to drink um, and, and you're a man, um, you should drink less than 14 drinks in a week. Um, and so and, and also less than four drinks in a sitting. And so a drink is I'm not doing that bad. Yeah, then, I think yeah, because so, here's the thing, like I like I, during the pandemic. No, I was. I was really bad. <laughs> okay, I mean, like, seriously, what am I going to do? I'm sitting down there at a bar. I can't do anything. There's booze everywhere. But no, I think that, like, my general way that I do things is that I will have, um, if I'm if I'm going to have a bourbon, you know, I, I, I know what an ounce or two ounces of it or whatever it is. So I'll have a couple of fingers with, like, a like an ice cube. And at worst, I might go back and have a second one. But then if I'm doing that every day that week, I'm sticking within my 14 per week. And I'm not having more than four drinks per day. So I'm actually sitting somewhere in that. Yeah. Now, there are times where I go over. Yesterday, I went to the White Sox game. I went over. I know I went <laughs> over. Okay. I was having a good time. And I wasn't counting them, you know? But I mean, like, I think that generally I've gotten myself more back in that range, but you're the one that told me to do it because you sat there and you ran a couple of blood tests. You're like, Chris, you don't have a real problem. Slightly elevated in the uh, liver enzymes. And I was like, well, the pandemic's been rough. Yeah. And so I've done a lot to try to cut sure. back on that. So what you're telling me is that it's not the end of the world. It's just about how you're spreading it out. Yeah, I, I think I think that's accurate. Although what I would say is that um, everyone has their own their own certain risk factors. There'll, there'll be patients that will come in and they're consuming 20, 25 drinks a week. And all of their blood tests are stone cold normal, right. but, but it's still not healthy. Um, and then the flip side of that is that if you're in that range, but you do have some abnormalities on your, on your labs or you're seeing your blood pressure that's up, it's only going to help you if you reduce the amount. So I think that, you know, finding that middle ground where you're not completely, and I think like you said, with your, with your job, I mean, it's not realistic to say I'm never, never going to touch a drop <laughs> yeah. of alcohol. I can't do again. beer reviews without yeah. going to the yeah. breweries. Like, I mean, there's certain things I can't do. Right, right. Yeah. But uh, but being aware, I think that's that's the key. Be aware of how much you're t uh, you're consuming, when you're consuming it, and then the environments where you tend tend to overdo it. Because if you go in some of these, uh, like 
I mean, if you have a White Sox game every once in a while, not that big of right. an issue. But if you're a I'm going season, to games. season ticket right. holder, I mean, then then it's kind of a problem. 81 so. games and I'm having eight beers yeah. while I'm there. That's a bad, <laughs> right. that's a bad idea. Right. right, exactly. A couple extra inning ones in there, it gets really exactly. bad. Yeah, no, I, I understand what you're saying there. That that makes that makes perfect sense. All right, so um, one other thing I want to ask you before I let you go, because as you're talking about this, uh, this is a question I, I think that a lot of people, right away, they're listening to you on any of this stuff when it comes to red meat alcohol, what they eat, stuff like that. They go, well, genetically, my whole family has never had a problem living that way. Sure. Is that a real thing? Because I'll tell you this, on the Lanuti side of the family, you die young if you die before you're 90, seems wow. to be the thing. It's crazy. Great. I have, uh, my father has an uncle who just passed at 102, and his aunt is 103 and has all of her facilities and wow. talks to him on the phone. Like, wow. And he's like, she Impressive. sounds exactly what she sounded like when she was, when I was a kid. Okay. Uh, my grandfather died at, at 90 or 91 and people are like, oh man, he was young. Like that's how they are. Now, my wife's side of the family, not so much. My kids are in trouble, but with, but there's like a bloodline thing. I look at my dad and like, I've always said that like, well, dad's a little overweight. Dad drinks. Dad eats this kind of stuff. Dad's fairly healthy. So, I mean, like, is there such a thing as genetics or are people just fooling themselves when they, when they use that as an excuse? Yeah. Well, there, there definitely is a thing uh, about genetics. So, I mean, if you have longevity in your, in your family, then you're definitely a lot more likely to live longer. They're all pasta eaters and wine drinkers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the way I look at it is you want to, you want to try to stack the deck in your favor as much as possible. Okay. So there are there are things that you can modify and things that you can't. So you cannot modify genetics and that sometimes works in your favor. Sometimes it works against you, but the modifiable risk factors, if you can do those, um, it's only going to help you. And, and the, the perfect example of that is that we know that patients that have um, family history of cancers uh, are at higher risk of cancer, but it still doesn't change the fact that when patients get diagnosed with cancer, they're more likely than not the first person in their family that's ever had cancer. So, really? Yes. See, because I have friends yes. of mine I was just with last week and the whole family like has this thing that runs through where they all eventually end up with something. So I was like, wow, we, you know, I mean, we've had it every once in a while pops up in the family, but it's not as it's rare to us. Yeah. So you're saying that generally when somebody gets cancer, they're like the first. Yeah, that, that, that's that's true. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so, well, thanks for that thought. Yeah. Right at the end, Dr. Beckman <laughs> makes us all nervous. We'll have to have him back again to comment. us all Very down. uplifting, right? Yeah, yeah, really uplifting. <laughs> really uplifting. I can't drink, stop eating steaks, and, uh, you know, I'm going to get cancer. That's right. That's wonderful, Doc. I had a, I had a blast on this show. <laughs> <laughs> Family First Medical Group, yourffmg.com. The doctor, I'm going to tell you this. He sat down with us today and he talked about this. You would be like, well, I wish my doctor would talk to me like this in an appointment. You may talk more than any other doctor that I've ever been in in a room. Every (laughs) single question I ask you, you give me an answer. And you're not trying to push me out the door and it like I've always been very, very impressed with that. And you don't give me bad advice because you're in a hurry. Like I had an older doctor one time who like I, I said something like, I'm a little stressed out because of the 911 center. He's like, I have a couple beers at the end of the day. <laughs> like, well, it's it sounds like sound medical advice. <laughs> then I'm drinking it. I'm telling my wife, like, this was prescribed by my doctor. Yeah, there you go. My doctor said they have a couple <laughs> extra beers, so I've increased my alcohol intake to get over my stress. Like that wasn't good, right? Yeah. Okay, so so I mean, like, I like the fact you sit down and you kind of explain 
things. Like when I have questions, you don't just say, oh, don't worry about it. Take this pill. You seem to want to stay away from them and stuff like that. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, if, if you're if you're looking for a change or something like that, Dr. Beckman and his staff uh, do excellent work right here in Evergreen Park. And I appreciate you jumping on. Thanks a lot, Chris, as always. Look at all those people in this great suburb driving down 95th and Ked Z. What a great place. It's called Evergreen Park, but we know it better as the EP. We're known for more than just the Unabomber. Remember Ted Kaczynski? You guys might even remember that big old rooster on 95th Street. It's all part of EP's history. So listen up to the EP podcast. You might be asking why because we talk about all things and we celebrate all the great things in the 60805 it's the ep podcast all things evergreen park it's the ep podcast evergreen park <laughs>